Today we're going to continue the series of the priority of heaven over earth. And uh, the last talk I did was a few weeks ago about seeking first the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't want us to worry, he wants us to prioritize. And that's what essentially this series is about, is about the fact that Jesus doesn't want us to be worried, to become obsessed about material things, but for us to prioritize heaven over earth. And the thing with this this subject of the kingdom of God, it, it hits us every time, and that is the call to repent. Every time the kingdom of God is mentioned, there's a need for us to change the way that we think. There's a, there's a, there's a repentance that is needed. Uh, because without a change of mind, we never, we'll never get to see, we'll never get to experience or understand the kingdom. And uh, you're definitely going to need to do that today. You're definitely going to need to change the way that you think, because today I want to talk about storing up treasures in heaven. And it's going to take a shift in our thinking, because you're going to see that there are two kinds of treasure that our lives produce. There's one kind of treasure that we produce on earth, and there's another in heaven. One that is corruptible, the other that is incorruptible. One that depreciates and rusts, and the other one that accumulates and grows. One which is eternally secure, and thieves can steal the other one. One leads us into peace, and the other leads us into worry. But Jesus doesn't want us to worry. A friend of mine uh, struggles with worry all the time, always struggles with worries. He worries about absolutely everything. He worries about his wife. He worries about his children. He worries about his house, about his car, everything, everything, everything. He worries about everything. And I saw him recently, and he, and he, and he looked really peaceful, just didn't look worried at all. I said, Crumbs, you've really changed. I said, what's happened? He says, I've got this great idea. I've got this great solution. I've paid somebody else to do the worrying for me. I said, that's a brilliant idea. I said, but how much are you paying him? Thinking, oh, I could use some of that. He says, well, I'm paying him a thousand pounds a week. I said, good grief, that's a lot of money. I said, how on earth can you afford that? He said, well, that's his problem to worry about. (laughs) Just joking. Jesus doesn't want us to worry. He doesn't want us to worry. He wants us to have a different priority in life. So I'm going to deal with these questions. Which treasures will you prioritize? How do we invest them in heaven? And can I have some of them now, please? Or is it just about the future? So just turn to Matthew chapter 6, or it'll come up on the screen if you haven't brought your Bible. Matthew chapter 6. And it's verses 19 to 21. And Jesus is speaking, and these are his words. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Challenging stuff. So which treasures will you prioritize? It's been said that uh, you can tell the priorities of somebody by looking at what they spend their money on. 
I mean, have you ever done that exercise? Have you ever got your bank statement out and looked at the priorities of your spending? It's quite interesting. I've done it recently in preparation for today, and I'm not going to tell you what came up, but do it because you might find it interesting. You might even be surprised at what you see. And this is an important thing to know. It's important to know what we prioritize because Jesus says that it reveals where your heart is. And this is absolutely fascinating to me. This verse is written the wrong way around. Because, you see, it doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be also, which is what you would expect it to be. It's actually the opposite way around. Jesus is saying where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know if you can grasp the difference in that. It's the opposite way around from what you would think. Jesus is saying, in other words, that if you want to find someone's heart, what somebody's heart really is, then you first have to find their treasure. And when you find their treasure, that's where you'll find their heart. So that our motivations in the end will be determined by what we accumulate. Or put it another way, what you possess ultimately possesses you. So you better be careful what you possess. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I mean, think about it. If you get a new car, it arrives. And from the time of its possession, it's no longer its acquisition that possesses you. You've got it. That's over. That's done. No, your motivation is now about protecting and preserving that car. You know, if you're like me anyway, you'll go out just about every week, actually every day, and you'll be out there looking at it, cleaning it, little specks, you just wipe them off, maintaining it. For the first couple of years, maybe, you, you don't miss a single service interval. You don't even mind taking it to the main dealer for the sake of your storing up or preserving your precious. <laughs> or maybe it's not cars for you. It can be something else. It could be a new computer. You know, you wipe it down every day lovingly with those wipes that are incredibly expensive. Or it might be a new jacket or your sofa. But the point is, is that for some of us, the accumulation and preservation of what we own can own us and gain our hearts. It can even lead to a kind of addiction. I don't know if you've ever watched that BBC program, Compulsive Shoppers. People are absolutely addicted to shopping Okay, ladies, put your hand up and own up right now. But it's not just that, is it? It's actually a way of life, not just about shopping, but the accumulation of things, gathering things around you. But even before addiction, we have all experienced, men and women, the sudden rush of excitement as the new gadget is purchased. There's just a rush of excitement and the slight high afterwards as you make your way out of the store And then the endless nagging regret that follows when you get home. This desire to surround ourselves and stockpile material things can be very strong. As one philosopher said, gold is like seawater. The more one drinks, the thirstier you become. But why make such a priority? Why make a priority of acquiring things that are going to rust and decay or, when it comes to technology, just go out of date? I mean, I've got a perfectly good iPad, but it doesn't work properly anymore because the software can't keep up. That's what Jesus' argument is. It's an appeal 
to our common sense. Why invest in treasures here which are so temporary when you can invest in heaven which is eternal? It's like your financial advisor is sitting down with you to do your financial review and he says, okay, there are two options. High risk for temporary relief or no risk for eternal reward. Which box shall I tick? (laughs) And your answer will depend on where your priorities are. I like this quite hard-hitting story, actually, of an American tourist visit to 19th century Polish rabbi Hoffet's chain, who was astonished to see the famous rabbi's home was only a simple room filled with books plus a table and a bench. And the tourist said, where is your furniture? Rabbi, where is your furniture? Where is yours? replied the rabbi. Mine? asked the puzzled tourist. But I'm only a visitor here passing through. So am I, (laughs) said the rabbi. And this is the reality for all of us, that as far as this world is concerned, we're just passing through, but we so easily forget this, or we prefer not to think about it. I don't like to think about how old I'm getting. I don't like to think about how many days I may have less left, and the temporary nature of what we do. We prefer not to think about it, and we act as if we can stay here forever. But Jesus says, that's a nonsense priority. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal it. So presuming that is what we want, how do we do that? What are those treasures? And if they're in heaven, can we access them now or is it just about the future? These are questions that I've been wrestling with. So firstly, what are these heavenly treasures? And there's lots of verses I could give you to describe these treasures. And uh, I've kind of wrestled with which ones to share and it could have been so many. But in, in the end, I decided to opt for an example. And there's a man who's mentioned in the book of Hebrews who made the right choices time and time again, and and the Bible commends him, and he's called Moses. And here was a man with access to one of the greatest earthly kingdoms that has ever existed. He had the offer of wealth, power, significance. It was guaranteed because of his upbringing. And this was a civilization unparalleled by any other in its day, and yet, Moses chose to walk away from earthly royalty and identify himself instead with the people of God. But Moses was making a a wise investment, and the writers of the Hebrews described how his choices led to a significant accumulation of treasure in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to turn to that, it's verses 25 to 26, and I'm just going to read to you now. And this is what he says. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, that's an interesting description of materialism. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. That's the same word that Jesus uses for treasure because he was looking ahead to his reward, that is, to treasures in heaven. And there are four things in this short passage I just want to pull out for you quite quickly about the accumulation of heavenly treasure. And the first thing that you can see is that it was by 
faith. It was by faith that Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And heavenly treasure, it's the first thing we need to see, is only accumulated by various acts of faith. And we know this actually from the whole of the chapter 11 in Hebrews. It illustrates time and time again how various acts of faith have built up treasure hoards of blessing, which actually we benefit from today. But it was all by faith. And faith is so important in the accumulation of treasure that Hebrews tells us that without it, in verse 6, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and so then he rewards those that earnestly seek him. There's the reward, there's the treasure that's unlocked. It's faith that unlocks the treasures of heaven on earth. It's whatever we do, we do it by faith. And faith is the currency of heaven, and so whatever you want to accumulate in that place needs to be bought by faith. If you were to use money to buy treasure in heaven, you would have to do it with faith, because that's the currency. And it doesn't even matter, it seems, whose faith it is you're using, apparently. Because if you look at Moses as our example, it was initially his parents' faith that's mentioned. In verse 23, it was his parents' faith that caused them to hide him because they believed in the destiny that God had for their son. It was their faith. Treasure was unlocked for Moses because of their faith. Isn't that amazing? And you know, sometimes treasure is unlocked by the faith of others, by our parents and even previous generations, that there are these inheritances of faith that we get to live in the good of. Isn't that amazing? We get to live in the good of somebody else's faith. But it's by faith. And this is something I just want to underline it, and I want you to bear it in mind as you think about your children's future. As you think about putting aside wealth for your children, what about thinking about your faith? What inheritances of faith are you storing up for them? What are you building in terms of your household of faith? Is it something that they can live from? Is it something that they can stand upon? You know, are your examples of faith anything that your children can use? But treasures are accumulated in heaven wherever and whenever there are acts of faith. It's because it's by faith. So that's the first thing. And then second thing that we see from Moses that it's by choice. So verse 25, by choice he chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. There was a choosing that was required. There was a reprioritizing so that Moses made sacrificial choices that involved the invisible promises of God. He chose to believe what God said and live accordingly. He left the palace and he moved in with the people of God. And so we can see that treasure is accumulated wherever we make choices which prefer heaven's agenda over that of earth's. Heaven's choices over those of earth. And these are not always logical choices. It certainly wasn't logical for Moses. I I, I mean, I can just imagine some of the protests he could have heard from other well-meaning advisors and people. 
You know, why would you give up such a position of influence, Moses? And that wealth, don't you know what you could do for the kingdom with that? Now, you could do so much with the authority that you have coming from the palace. Where are you going to live? What are you going to live on? You're leaving it all. You're crazy. It's not logical. There are some kingdom choices, you see, involved in the way that we live, which lead to treasure. So take, for example, there are so many examples, but just one example is that of generosity. So when it comes to money and possessions, it's not about being poor because, well, that's more spiritual. I've met people like that. They live on a kind of poverty line and have a spiritual kind of poverty about them thinking, well, I'm just being more spiritual than you. It's not about that. It's, it's, it's not about investing well because, well, it's all passing away anyway. Why bother? I've heard that too over the years. No, it's about being generous with what we have. It's, it's about holding things lightly. We accumulate and accumulate. That's good. But only if we're generous with what we have. And, you know, the thing is, is that generosity is not a logical way to accumulate treasure, is it? So if I want to invest well, what I've got to do is be more generous. That means I need to share more. I need to give more away. That's not logical, is it? But it's in the kingdom, that's exactly what it is. So Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and he's commanding the rich, it says, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. And being generous, especially sacrificially, sacrificially is not a logical investment strategy, but it is a kingdom strategy. So it's by faith, it's by choice, and it's by understanding the greater value. So in verse 26, Moses says, He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. I mean, think about what was on the scales for Moses. Think about weighing up the decision, wandering in the desert for 40 years with a bunch of miserable people who moan and complain constantly against the riches, comfort and prestige of being an Egyptian prince. What would you choose? But Moses had had an encounter with God and received promises from him that he perceived as of greater value than everything the world had to own. He'd found the pearl of great price. He sold everything he had and bought the field. He perceived the promises of God, even though they were invisible, even though it was going to lead to hardship, as of greater value than all of the promises of the world. I mean, he knew of all people what the world had to offer. He'd seen it all, he'd got it all, he'd experienced it all, and yet he still made that decision. And he could also see, of course, the price that his people were paying for the luxury that he lived in. And he made a value judgment, and then he made the leap of faith. And this is what I want us to see, that we make deposits of treasure whenever we value the kingdom of God over the kingdom of men. It's when we value 
more highly righteousness over sin. It's when we value more highly obedience over rebellion, humility over pride. You know, every time that you are tempted and you say no, even though the temptation appears to have greater value to you, you know, in that moment it seems more attractive and it wouldn't be any temptation to you if it wasn't. (laughs) But in that moment, in that moment where the temptation seems to hold such allure, And such value, you choose in that moment, no, I'm going to choose the righteousness of God. I'm not going to do it. Every time you do that, treasure's invested in heaven. Because what you value is what you accumulate. And what you possess is what gets your heart. So what do you value? What is it that you're accumulating and what has got your heart? But I just want to be honest with you and say, that sounds great, but this is a difficult calculation to make. Because as we're going to see from Moses, heavenly treasure, especially for him, was all about seeing the future. It's all about the future. So it's by faith, by choice, Understanding the greater value, but it's also about the future. So in verse 26, it says that he, he considered for the sake of Christ disgrace as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking forward, looking ahead to his treasure, his reward, excuse me, in heaven. And what makes this particularly challenging for us is that earth's treasure It's completely tangible, but heaven's is not. The world is physical. You can touch it. You can see it. You can experience it. You can enjoy it. You can calculate it. But heaven's treasure is not so easy to measure. It's invisible. It's seen with the eyes of faith. And often it's about the future. So Moses, for instance, saw the invisible promised land first in the promises of God and then physically with his eyes, but from a distance. He never actually walked into the promise of God for his life. He saw it from a distance. And it was the same actually for many other hearers of faith that are listed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And at the end of that chapter of incredible heroism and acts of faith, the Hebrew writer says this in verse 39 and 40, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they'd been promised. None of them had, since God had planned something better for us. For us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. They never received it because it was for us. Their acts of faith, the treasure that they laid aside was for us to benefit. How about that? They never got to see it with their physical eyes. They never got to touch it with their hands. The treasures that they accumulated, they store it up. They were storing it up for future generations that they wouldn't even know. That they wouldn't even be related to. And we get to live in the good of their investment. Because quite literally, all they looked into was Christ in whom 
as Paul writes, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Colossians 2.23. And I just want to say that we still need to be willing to do that. We still need to live with the uncertainty of the future and the promises of God and not get disillusioned and disappointed and lose heart. We need to be able to store up for our children and for future generations, willing to live in the expectation that they will reap the benefits of the treasures that we've stored up, but we will not experience it ourselves. We may have even seen it with the eyes of faith, but we won't walk in it. We won't see worldwide revival even, but they will. And be willing to put the foundations in to make that possible. Be able to live in such a way that it makes that possible and unlocks it for them. We still need to be willing to do that. But is that all it's about? Hmm. I've been wrestling with this. Because, okay, God, I'll do that. But surely it's not all about the future. I want some of that now. Anybody with me here? I've been wrestling with this for weeks. Is treasure something we can only access then or even when Jesus returns? Or can I have some of it now? Because if heaven is not just a future place that we go to when we die, and if we are to pray in faith, his kingdom come and his will be done on earth now as it is in heaven, then surely some of it must be accessible to us now. Even in part. I mean, that's what healing's about, isn't it? It's a foretaste of the perfect health that we will have when our bodies are restored. So we can have some of it now, yes? I believe so. And I just want to leave you with a few examples, not lots of verses, but a few examples. And first one is this, that intimacy with God can lead to immediate rewards. <laughs> intimacy with God. You know, if you cultivate your relationship with God, if you determine to deal with your sin, if you obey him and take steps of faith that he calls you to do, if you will grow and you'll live in the good of that relationship, there are rewards that are immediate. His presence itself is a reward. I, want, I really believe that. One of the greatest compliments anyone can pay you or me is to say, do you know what? When you enter the room, something changed. You carry the presence of God with you. You change the atmosphere. That's an immediate reward that others get to benefit from. You know, ever wondered why some people seem to get on so much further in God than you? Ever wonder why some people seem to see so much more than we do? It's because of this priority. They've prioritized their relationship with God and it's unlocked some treasures. And we get to see a living example of heaven's treasuries being poured out through their lives. Yes, it's possible to have some of that treasure now for us even to be carriers of that. And for each of us, I believe that where we invested with faithfulness years ago. Some, I just felt like there were, there were people here who have just been faithful for so many years with the little that God has given them. And I just want to say to you that there are some treasuries that can be unlocked for your life today. 
This is not health and wealth preaching and all that kind of thing. This is the reality of what it means to invest treasure and ask for some deposit of that treasure now, today. It's possible. It's actually what Jesus taught us in Luke 11, sorry, Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He says that whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. That which the little that you have cultivated, the parable of the talents, the little that you have invested, there are great rewards, not just in the future, but even today for your children, for your families, for your lives, for your decision making. I believe that. I can't move on from this. I feel like I need to pause. I want you to get this. There are some treasuries to be unlocked for you because of your faithfulness over years. Because you didn't dish somebody. You didn't walk out and storm off. You kept your heart right. There are rewards for you that you can have even today in that. Outpourings of the Spirit through you and through your life. Because you are connected to heaven's treasury because of the deposits that you've made. And you're an ambassador of Christ. And he foots the bill. Am I getting through to you? And secondly, I just want to mention financial giving, and this is really a testimony. Um, because you might remember that last year I shared with the church a vision. Uh, one Sunday morning I had a vision that God gave me about a heavenly storehouse being opened over us. I don't know if you remember that. And I, and I kind of wandered around that place in awe in my spirit, and I saw resources with our name on that we could ask for. And we could go in and say, God, please, will you release that to us now because we need it. And I shared it with the church and then we all stood up and shouted together and cried out for financial provision. We just moved into this building. This was exactly a year ago. And uh, on the back of that, we decided as a team, we weren't going to have big offering days. We weren't going to make a big push. But actually, we were just going to trust God that as we stepped out, the money would be released for us. We weren't going to put pressure on people but we really believe that God had heard our prayers. And my testimony is one of amazing and continual provision. I said to Alistair, I said, why can't our personal finances be like this? But time after time, we stepped out and said, yeah, I think we're going to do that, but we don't have the money for it, but we're going to do it anyway. And then that week, that day, even that hour, the money suddenly gets given to us. I want to thank you, many people here who've been so generous over the year and just opened their checkbooks and signed it in faith. And it's turned out like on one particular occasion, we were going to get the kids' work rooms decorated. And it was a thousand pounds. We didn't have a thousand pounds. Being honest with you, we didn't have a thousand pounds to do that work. But I said, no, come on, let's do it. It's the right thing to do. We did it. That week, somebody gave us a check of exactly the amount that the bill came to. And that has happened time and time again because God opened his heavenly storehouses over us. And we went in and we asked him for it. Even last week, there was a gift given to us, which you you have no idea how much we needed. And if you're here today, thank you so much for that gift because it means that we can do a lot more that God has put in our hearts to do. And I believe that heaven's treasuries were opened to us by acts of faith. Choices we have made and years of generous and sacrificial giving by people in this church and others for the good of Solihull. I believe we're tapping into something 
that has been invested for this town as well. I believe that there are promises to be unlocked for us in this town. And Jesus told us about this principle too. He says in Luke 6.30, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, think about that. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. So let's not limit God. The measure you use will be measured to you. So let's not limit him. There's another verse that says it's not even entered into your imagination the extent, the vastness of what God has in store for you. You can't even imagine it. So don't try. Whatever you imagine, ask for more than you can imagine. Amen? And then finally, in terms of treasure now, there's there's this thing of spiritual heritage that I've already mentioned, but I just want to underline it again. Because I really believe that we can create a platform in the spirit for our children to stand upon. I do. I really believe that. I I believe that there is a spiritual heritage accessible to them. Because of the battles that we fought and the victories that we've won. And that our ceilings can become their floors for them to stand on and build upon and go much further than when when we've ever gone. I really believe that. That's my prayer for my children. And I know something of this myself. I'm a third-generation Christian pastor in my family. Uh, Both of my grandfathers were in leadership in the church, and so was my dad, sat here. And And I believe that I have a spiritual inheritance, inheritance, a heritage in the treasuries of heaven that have led to experiences that I've had from an early age which have benefited me and now benefit my children in the things of God. And I believe that there are even greater things to come for my children, and I'm cheering them on. Even even in these days, my children are experiencing things that I've only just experienced. Amen? I want you to unlock that treasury for you, for your children. I want you to understand how it works and declare that now over your children. I've started declaring recently, my children will be a sign and a wonder of God's grace. I've started declaring it almost every day over my children, just declaring the treasuries of heaven unlocked over them, that they will far exceed me, far exceed my parents' generation, far exceed going back before that. Heaven Listen, heaven is full of treasure. Heaven is full of treasures that have accumulated by previous, been accumulated by previous generations, and these treasure have still not been found. There's some promises that still need to be fulfilled from Smith Wigglesworth's day. There's some treasures there that need to be mined, and I believe that God is giving us a treasure map. I just want to prophesy this over you. That God is giving us a treasure map, a road map into his treasury led by the Holy Spirit. That the magnetic north is in heaven for us and he's leading us into the treasuries that he will unlock for us and for future generations. I don't believe the church is over and done yet. 
I believe the best is yet to come. I believe that that which we have sowed in tears, we shall reap with songs of joy. Even though I don't get to see it myself, I will see it from heaven. That's what I believe. Jesus is not coming back for a straggling, raggedy bride. He's coming back for a glorious bride. A beautiful bride, beautiful and ready and fit for the bridegroom. There are promises still to be fulfilled, outpouring still to be had, and more treasures to be invested by ourselves and our children and future generations. So let me just conclude. I'm just going to ask you, I've put up a series of questions actually for you to think about as a kind of response to what I've said today. But here they are really. What treasures are you prioritizing? If If someone was to look for your treasure, where would that show your heart is? What possessions do you own? that possess you? Heavenly ones or earthly ones? And if we're to take this seriously, some choices will need to be made. Some priorities redrawn, but in the end it comes down to what you value most. When you know this, when you know what you value most, you can pursue heaven with ever greater steps of faith and unlock rewards from the treasury of heaven, both now and in eternity. I just don't know how to say it any more strongly than I said it. I feel it such a burden for this that there are some treasure stores open to us today. It's not just about leaders. It's not just about the Heidi Bakers. It's not just about the big names. There are treasure stores open for you and for your family today because of investments that have been made by you and made in your faithfulness, made in righteous decisions, righteous acts of faith that you have made for you and for your children and your children's children. I bless you with that. I bless you with the revelation of that in Jesus' name.